This episode of Quit the Build is brought to you by WarbyParker.com. Get a free five-day home try-on at www.WarbyParkerTrial.com slash QTB. Five pairs, five days, 100% free. Today on Quit the Build, Pokemon game info keeps leaking like a C6 Squirtle. Forza Horizon 5 is implementing sign language into the game. And your choices for game of the year. Wait a second, Brad's here? Announcer guy, update the intro. Get ready to quit the build. The QTB crew is rounding up all the gaming news and hot topics of the week with a little extra something. And here are your hosts, Bruno, Brad, and Nick. What it do? You're listening to the QTV Podcast. I'm your host, Bruno, and with me are the boys of QTB, our co-hosts, Nick and Brad. Oh man, Bruno, you just changed you just changed up the intro, which means something must be happening. And it's happening. If you if you follow us on Twitter, you saw the announcement. Fantastic news. Uh, we've been uh, talking about this for a little while. It's great. We finally sealed the deal. Uh, of course, uh, QTB's Brad is permanently joining us as the third host host of QTB. You gotta play a sound, Bruno. You gotta play a sound. There it is. Brad, welcome, man. Gentlemen, the trio is finally complete. I am here and gracious to be joining both of you on the QTB podcast to talk about everything gaming and some more. Right? That's right, I'm man. excited for it, and we have got a star-studded event for today because we're talking about some of our favorites, right? We're talking about Pokemon. We're talking about Forza Horizon 5. Oh, yeah. And we're talking about general accessibility, which means more gaming for everyone. Nick, let's get into it. What do we got? Let's hop right in, man. Yeah, let's go to our first article from IGN talking about Pokemon that apparently has a little bit of a leak problem. So here, here's what's up with the Pokemon community, right? If if you didn't know this already, the Pokemon community is a little bit hard to please. You know, I... I no. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for this. So if you thought that Sonic was the Sonic fandom was bad, and they are because there's that permanent split between the the 2D and the 3D purists and the people like me that just want to play a good Sonic game. I don't care how how I get it. Um, you know, there there is very much a a community in Pokemon that just seems impossible to please because so many people want different things. And uh, sure enough, mm. the the problem is is resurfacing here. But this article not so much about the community. We we will get into that. But this is about yet another leak for the Pokemon franchise. This one is coming in the form of Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, of course, uh, remakes of of classic Pokemon games that are, you know, just trying to make the fans happy because especially with the success of Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, right, remakes of those Gen 1 games, there very much is a market for this. And, you know, it's kind of a one-off thing for them to create. No no surprise at all that in that, that Pokemon Direct that that was one of the things that was initially announced. But leaks have really been just the bane of Pokemon's existence. I'm going to take you all the way back to, well, not all the way back, but recently, uh, one of the last big, there you go. Man, you are quick with those sounds, man. 
it, it's it's wow. it's shocking, honestly. We're rewinding it all yeah, the way back <laughs> to Pokemon Sword and Shield. So gotcha. when Sword and Shield was being developed, there was some dubiousness as to you know we hadn't seen a whole lot of content with with screenshots or gameplay videos, and people are wondering like what's going on with these games. And, and then why leak, in the heck are they adding a Sword and Shield Pokemon into the game? That literally just a wolf what? with a, a sword and a wolf with why? a shield. Yeah, why? That's it, doggo. I mean, they're running out. They're running out. Running out of animals, quite frankly. You know, I think there's an ice cream cone Pokemon at this point. As someone there's that grew up a, with it, I, there's gonna be a bridge Pokemon. I, there might be actually, uh, but <laughs> you, you, you can make nit, nit, make up anything. It's like the Simpsons at this point. They've probably done it. But the the story here is that that Sword and Shield leak. So an, uh, initially, the information came out about the full Pokedex for Sword and Shield, indicating that there was hundreds of Pokemon that had been excluded. Right? They called it the the Dexit because so many Pokemon from uh, recent uh, gens were not <laughs> in. Yeah. <laughs> the Dexit. Isn't that nice? And that is clever. Thank yeah. you, whoever came up coined that phrase. That is brilliant. <laughs> it, was, it was top. You think it was a British too. person? Yeah. <laughs> so great. But that's just one of the many examples. And sure enough, so the the, the main uh, meat and potatoes of, the, of this article, they're talking about how EXP share is a thing in this game. So in the classic Pokemon games for most of the, the early gens, you know, you had to level up your Pokemon individually. If you're going to if you're oh, going to yeah, have yeah, your yeah. Magikarp level up, he's going to get out there and splash yeah, like a that champion. Was so tedious. He doesn't get oh, to sit. Man. Are you kidding yeah, me? Exactly. But you yeah, had to do it. It took forever to get that Gyarados, But it, right? it felt like you accomplished something when you finally got there, right? And so mm-hmm. now in starting with Let's Go, they They've implemented this EXP share feature. It's a, you can't disable it. Where all your ah. Pokemon gain XP at, at, after every fight, even if See, they didn't participate in the battle, right? And so there is already confirmation from this leak that these Gen 4 remake games will not allow you to disable EXP share. Once again, over-trivializing yeah. what should be a difficult game. And that's kind of the conversation here, right? Is, you know, what's going on with, with remakes of games oversimplifying it to the point that maybe some of the original magic is lost in the mix. What do you guys think? Brad, What what's your experience playing with the early Pokemon games? Because for me, I played all the way back, you know, red and blue, yellow, Pokemon yellow with Pikachu is one of my favorite. I'm a big Pikachu fan. Um, I'm, I'm a basic, I'm a basic bitch. Like I'm that, I'm that guy. I'm the pumpkin <laughs> spice latte. Like, Ooh yeah. Like I'll take it. So of course I'm Pikachu, a Pikachu fan, but when they implemented the EXP share. I thought it was a game changer, but I can totally see how purists or people who maybe prefer the vanilla version might, might you know, want to go back to that original, original game. What do you think, Brad? Uh, see, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the purist with you, Bruno. I'm gonna, I'm gonna push back on you here. So I go all the way back to original Red and Blue. Uh, I own both games. I actually, I owned one. My sister owned the other, and mm. I can recall. Well, first of all, I can say to this day, I still have my Red. And it has all 150 yep, Pokemon. Me too. It, it still it still works. It loads. Yep. I turn it on just to just to bask in the fact that I collected all 150. <laughs> nice. Uh, you're gonna, so, show, you're, you're gonna show your son one day. Come here, Mason. Sit down and let Daddy show yeah. you what it's all about. <laughs> and, and to that point, you know, and I make the joke about the Gyarados earlier. You know, even needing the blue version to trade for a few Pokemon. You know, I remember times I would start with a Magic Carp or something very week and then quickly exchange it out of my lineup and throw in throw in my my oh, yeah. starter pokemon oh, to, yeah. to lead the battle we all did that to gain just a fraction of xp yep. right so the fact that they've made that an automatic feature that you can't disable one i do see the argument it does add i would say 
an efficiency to the game that you can get to those strong Pokemon quickly. But I do agree with Nick that it, it does take away from some of that, I don't want to say grind it, but that hard effort, that rewarding nature you put into, wow, I finally evolved. I finally evolved to a Gyarados or I finally evolved to a Raichu or a Charizard when you you spend all those times in battles and seeking out other random, you know, folks on in the cities to battle to get that XP to now where it's just like, okay, I'll go battle the same, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take two Pokemon and then just fill my, my, my lineup and just go battle over and over again and just evolve. Like it, it feels like it's a trivial, uh, you know, exercise now versus it being a unique rewarding experience. Well, here's the question for you, Nick, because I think that these types of developments should be added to games. I think cheats and options in which you can play the game really improve the replay value of any single player experience, but it's almost like Nintendo has an aversion to implementing fan service things or fan created or community created things. I mean, there are other things like in the Pokemon community that are like special rules where you get rid of a Pokemon, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of fan created, like literally applications to like fight Pokemon. Um, I don't know what the actual name of it is, but I've seen many videos of people where you can just kind of create your own dream team and just go online and battle. It's not official in any way. I'm surprised they haven't figured out a way to take that down. But at the same time, yeah, you know, there are all sorts of unique formats, right? You're talking about Nuzlocks, which are yeah, exactly a a very unique. And I mean, right now, if you're on Twitch or YouTube, like, and you're 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 showing a let's play of a Pokemon game, there's a very good chance you're doing some variation of a Nuzlocke because it takes the the classic formula of Pokemon and adds all these unique rules and conditions that just make it a lot more interesting for for people to follow your journey through the game. But yeah, you know, they are very slow to implement really what the people want or just have their finger on the pulse of what fans are looking for. And in this case, I want to make this very clear. There's nothing wrong with adding accessibility to game. We're going to be talking about accessibility in our next article. And I think there's nothing wrong with adding accessibility in terms of the difficulty of the game, right? You go back to the original Pokemon games, there was no difficulty option, right? Yeah, yeah. So many. For any game. This is for any game that we played on Game Boy, NES. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. try getting through the Lion King level with the giraffe's heads. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, that man. was yeah. not be beaten. Yeah, they. I think the developers <laughs> came out later and said like they made it intentionally difficult because they didn't want. Uh, you know that was that was a, that was a mantra of that era of gaming. Right? Was yeah. the replayability came not in the form of endless content because these carts had limited space, but into creating replay value by making the game so difficult or grindy in this case, right? With RPG style games like Pokemon, that yeah, you you really had to reuse a lot of the content they had already put in front of you before you could advance to the next chunk. And think of all the kids out there that, you know, started Pokemon Gen 1 and knowing nothing about the series, nothing about uh, oh, yeah. type advantages or what gyms they would be facing. How many of us picked Charmander because he was the cool looking fire lizard and then got the heart yeah, and then got hit with two gyms that absolutely demolish yeah. fire Pokemon, right? You got the rock gym. Mm-hmm. Charmander's useless. That's how, we, that's how I built character, Nick. Yeah. Okay? Like, I went in and I always chose Charmander because he's my, well, he was my favorite starter Pokemon of the three. And it was like, hey, this is hard mode, right? And so Mm -hmm. I remember just kind of hanging out, like fighting like, uh, you know, Caterpies and stuff like that. Burning that whole forest down. (laughs) 
just, you know, I'm, you false know, exactly. advertising, <laughs> fool's gold. <laughs> yeah, but that's just it, right? Is that 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 experience is novel, right? We we look back on that and we think about about how actually fun it was to have to figure out. Oh, I need to get a fishing rod. I need to catch a goldine and like use that to beat Brock's onyx and that kind of thing. But at, <laughs> at, at the same time, you know, it, it is difficult. It is challenging. And I think having EXP share as a toggle back then would have been nice. But the, the point being, I think what most people are upset about right now is that the EXP share is mandatory. That's just it, right? Like, uh, like I yeah. said, everybody, well, I, I should say most people aside from just like the hardcore gatekeepers of gaming that really, you know, are pr- producing a, a toxic uh, atmosphere that you, as long as there's an option to go in there and say, well, I'd like to play the game without EXP share, or I'd like to play the game with EXP share. That's perfect. But when you yeah. take something that could very easily be disabled and just code in a, a separate EXP rule set for how it works when it's not on, to say that they can't take the time to put that in the game, and again, it was confirmed that through this leak that that the EXP share, uh, it, it's a feature, it's built in, you can't disable it. I think that really, it, it, it takes a lot of the people that grew up with Pokemon and want new takes on that classic formula and a fresh coat of paint. It takes away their option to get it through official channels. I think that's what this shows you is that either Nintendo is completely like off base of who their demographic is or they've done enough research to show that the, there is a new demographic of gamer, right? And the new demographic of gamer is not us in the sense that they want that challenge. They want, you know, they don't want to have to replay the same level 20 times to beat it because it's that difficult, right? They want fresh, you know, like you said, evolving, everlasting, growing content that is easy to churn through and get to something new, right? Or, oh, yeah. or it's easy to move on to the next step, beat the next, you know, I don't want to have to spend two days catching Pokemon and leveling them up to beat Brock or beat Misty because I have a, I have a type disadvantage. They want to be able to say, well, I've leveled up enough and I've leveled out one up enough easily to be able to just breeze through this and get to the end of the game or get to the get to the next content. And I, I, I that that's I mean, that's a question I'm asking is I feel like Nintendo has either done a, plenty of research to confirm that or they're completely off and they, and they, they real they're making a big mistake. Yeah, 100 percent with you. It's just a very interesting to see how they continue time and time again to just miss basic toggles that would make everybody happy. Um, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, the the millennials and 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 mostly millennials, I think, and younger that grew up with with the Pokemon franchise in its inception are the ones with money right now. So I think it'd be it would be foolish to to ignore that demographic. But you know, they are constantly trying to ask, how can we make Pokemon fresh for a younger generation? It is what it is. Um, but it just seems like any time that there is a leak for any kind of Pokemon game, it's never a good one, and it seems to really rile up the fan base and create heavy division uh, within the ranks. So we will see how this ultimately turns out with its release, and yeah. uh, of course uh, how how it's received. Most importantly, among its its hardcore fans that have uh, have been there with Pokemon from day one. Uh, by the way, Brad, I'm just saying these days, you know, we're at a point now where millennials are in like hiring manager positions. So you could probably bring that Game Boy in for any interview, and they'll be like, "Hey, what are your qualifications?" You just pop that open and show them the Pokédex and say, "Let's discuss salary." Let's discuss <laughs> yeah, the- salary. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's 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 my ace in the hole, Nick. Don't, you just broke the news to the world that uh, you got my ace in the hole. Called it. Why else would you hang on to it? Oh my goodness. Well, guys, I will tell you where you can catch them all, and that is on our Patreon, right? Thanks so much to our supporters like Nick Nick, Epic Capture Productions, The Dudist Monk, Indie Gamiacs, Alan Abadessa, and Mr. Grove Games. Those people have caught them all, and I'll tell you why, because they have access to our entire backlog 
of QTB nostalgia vault content talking about everything from the 90s, including video games like Super Mario 64 and GoldenEye 007. Just drop that episode, and you're going to get early access to our Gotta Watch episodes. It is such a great way to support us, guys. Highly encourage you. If you listen to this content on a regular basis, show us some love and show us you care, and we're going to show you that love right back with all that bonus content at patreon.com slash build. Well, no, I've got another sponsor. It's Pierce Unlimited. We got to get. Oh, yeah. my, oh my God. <laughs> Start it back up. Today's podcast is sponsored by Pierce Unlimited. For marketing media that works and bespoke design to power your business, visit PierceUnlimited.com. Yeah, so this is a really cool article and kind of a, a, a way for us to segue into the, just the juggernaut right now that is the Forza franchise that Forza Horizon 5 recently released on Game Pass is Woo! a is getting a very unique feature. And this is such a cool idea that I'm, I'm shocked I hadn't thought about it. And I'm shocked that no one else in the industry had attempted it before. And that is the implementation Implementation of sign language in, in their accessibility features. So this article coming to us from Eurogamer.net. Yeah, one of the uh, upcoming updates for Forza Horizon 5 uh, that we learned from an Xbox Wire blog post. It's going to include, among other things, speed modifications, a colorblindness mode, subtitle options, text-to-speech. Text-to-speech and, and the colorblindness modes are becoming more and more common in, in new yeah. release games I have found. But the big one is implementing sign language. And when I say sign language, I'm talking about both British and American, meaning they're going to have a little window in the corner. So anytime that there's dialogue in the game, Someone almost like when you have a, a sign language interpreter when someone is speaking, right? They're going to yeah. pop up in that little window. It's going to be a live person actually giving sign language in order to sign to you what is happening. You know, wow. what a great idea. I mean, <laughs> good for these guys. This is so unheard of. And, you know, I, I think the reason why it hasn't been done is because for most people, they think, well, we've got the subtitles. Why else yeah. would we need it? But what we don't really think about is that someone who is hearing impaired that is accustomed to sign language and has grown up in an environment that utilizes sign language, for them, seeing that in the corner is going to be a lot more intuitive and immersive for them oh, than yeah. having to read subtitles. I mean, I we, we have to applaud these guys for, for even thinking of this idea, right? I think it's groundbreaking. Isn't isn't the gaming world, the gaming community about inclusivity, right? And this is, a, you know, I think we were, I was reading the article and they were interviewing Mike Brown, the creative director for, for Forza Horizon 5 and developer for, you know, Playground Games. And he mentioned that they estimate that there are four, 400 million gamers out there with disabilities across the globe. Wow. Right? And so that is a huge demographic of the gaming community. And I think, and, and I think he said, it's vital that all those players get to be able to take their gameplay and, and experience it that works best for them. So to be able to acknowledge and understand that part of the demographic and and start to enhance games in a way that provide that that inclusivity and experience to them, that kudos. That is that that is where it should be going. And, and and I'm hoping more games adopt this you know model or capabilities going forward. We tend to forget that sign language gets rid of a lot of the fillers. Right? It's a very emotional and universal language. Language. I mean, essentially, you can you can communicate with people from all across the world uh, if they're hearing impaired and know uh, uh, ASL, which is tends to be the typical use for most people. It's it's just amazing that we can actually get emotion out of these things, and the fact that it's going to be quicker for them to see what's going on and 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 really get a get a sense of the inflection and and just how 
uh, how someone is presenting the lines that are in the game. They have sign language interpreters for metal concerts. Have you seen those? No, but that sounds awesome. That is awesome. It mm-hmm. is so incredible to see. They're just like giving it their all. Like, I mean, I mean, seriously, it's just like hyping up the crowd. It's I think we just tend to forget that for in terms of disabilities, like hearing impaired and, and seeing impaired, we think of it as uh, it's very binary, right? Like the, the, the lights are on or the lights are off, but there's different degrees of blindness. Yeah. There's different degrees of, of deafness. You know, I think it's really important that such a, a game like Forza Horizon 5 that's getting so much press right now for being just a fantastic game in its own right is also making headlines for reasons like this. You know, I, I think it's important because Playground Games essentially is producing games for Microsoft, right? This is a an exclusive. Having this kind of feature be something that people see, right? In, in a game where, you know, a developer or a publisher could have easily said, ah, your time and money should be spent elsewhere. But we look at Microsoft as a whole and how they have literally advanced gaming accessibility. You know, another IGN article uh, talking about that, about just all the incredible things they've done with, of course, the, the adaptive controller, which just shows an incredible amount of commitment to inclusiveness, inclusivity in gameplay uh, to, to people that who are disabled in, in whatever way. You know, being able to create a controller that works towards whatever your disabilities may be to allow you to play games the same way as anybody else is, is groundbreaking, especially when you hear that they essentially don't make any money off of it. It's not a hot seller. It's not something that they can report to shareholders of like, hey, here's how we're making big bucks. But they still do it. And I, I think that's so yeah. important for, you know, these huge mega corporations that there's still that pocket of humanity inside that is yeah. more than just giving money to charity and, and making it look like, you know, you're, you're doing something or making a change. They are actually making a change and innovating the gaming space. And I think that that Playground Games being a part of, of their game production and putting in a feature like this just takes that concept and extends it out even further to, okay, we've got the hardware, but how can we continue to push boundaries with the software to allow people to feel more included and just be able to play and, and immerse themselves in the games uh, just like everybody else. I, I, I really applaud what they're doing here. Now, I do want to hop into the game itself because, like I said, this is an absolute banger right now. I'm looking at Metacritic. They have, so far, and not all the reviews are in, a Metascore of 92 and a user score of 8.8. Yeah. That Metascore right now is putting it as the number two game uh, overall for the Xbox Series X, uh, just one point underneath Hades that is just an indie darling right now. But for this game, especially a racing game to score so highly, I'm, I am I gotta hear more. Bruno, I know that you have spent quite a bit of time in the game. What have your impressions been? Oh my goodness, okay. so fast. Whoa. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I've i been playing uh, the Forza games for a while now. And if if, you ha- if you've never played a one of the Horizon versions of the game, because there's two, there's Forza Motorsport, which is a, 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 a traditional sim racer. And then there's more of the arcade racer, which is Forza Horizon. And it's set in an open world. So you're not just going from track to track. You're literally going across across uh, Mexico in Forza Horizon 5. And I got to tell you, they did a wonderful job with the map. It's so fun to go across. I feel like in Forza Horizon 4, the map wasn't the best, but in 5, we've got a, a much better map. It's much, much more tailored to rally racing and kind of just going across the country in any means with any, you know, any vehicle that you want. And they've simplified a lot 
lot of the convoluted things that you had to do in the game. It's much more straightforward now, and I feel like it's easier to navigate. When you jump into Forza Horizon, you're going to be met with a lot of different things, but it immediately drops you into different scenarios and biomes with the game to allow you to experience all the different types of races that you're going to to come across, whether it's a road course or or a um, a point to point race, or maybe you're going to be racing through the jungle instead of the road. And so there's all different types of cars to uh, to complement these different driving styles, and it just ends up being a lot of fun. There's there's unlocks and stuff at every step of the game, and you were talking about that before, Brad, right? Of this new type of in your face, almost like binge watching, but binge rewarding for gamers, right? Mm-hmm. No, I hear, I hear you. Yeah, no, I, I, I haven't had a chance to play it as much as you have, but I'm excited just at the fact that I've heard and I, I'm, I've seen some previews of how great this game plays at the quality, the solid frame rate that it holds at the performance mode, right? Especially with yeah. an Xbox Series X, Bruno. Can you, can you shed some light on how beautiful the game looks in terms of those immersive biomes and how, how solid the performance that the game performs on the Series X? Yeah, so when you dive in, you're going to be met with the ability to either choose quality or performance, which um, I would recommend choosing performance because the frame rate hasn't dropped one bit. I have not noticed a single frame rate drop in the performance mode, and I haven't checked out the quality mode to see how crisp the graphics really are on the Xbox Series X, but the uh, just the performance of the actual cars, especially the speed and the distance in which you can see. I was amazed as I was driving through and, and you get to these points where you're in this open desert and you can literally see so far in front of you and it's not like fogged up like it like it's, it is in traditional games, right? You know, you remember when you're in those older games and you're like, I can't see that. I can't see very far. I mean, Grand Theft Auto did a great job because they were just like, hey, it's set in New York. It's foggy. You know what I mean? Like, hey, deal with it. Like, <laughs> forgot about it. Like, it's foggy. Forget about here. it. <laughs> but now you can see like where you're going and pinpoint and say like, there's a mountain over there that I can get across. There's a town right there that I can see. It's just, it really is. A, it really is an amazing uh, time to be a gamer and and to own something like an Xbox Series X it's absolutely beautiful on there and this is what this is what we've been waiting for this is this is what Xbox owners have been waiting for in terms of the Series X the Series X it's the this moment right now it's Forza Horizon 5 it's the upcoming Halo Infinite now's the best time to own one of those consoles and if you're still looking for one i'd recommend using that plugin Octo shop for Google Chrome because that's going to be your way to find out whenever it's in stock, and then you just gotta you gotta play the 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 fishing game and see if you can get a bite, or mm-hmm. you can just be like Brad and just drop in all of a sudden and be like, yeah, I'll take three. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> uh, let that let that luck rub off on me, Brad. Yeah, 
Oh man. Well, and and, and a quick plug too, Bruno, I think it also validates an earlier topic from an earlier podcast about how valuable the game pass is, right? So both Forza Horizon 5 and Halo Infinite are going to be on the game pass, right? So I don't know about you, but having it, it's a reason to get the Series X, but it's also another reason. I think the game pass, Nick, I think, as you said, is probably the most bang for your buck offering Mm. right now out there. And, and this, this now just justifies that even more. So I, I don't know, Nick, I know you, are you are you now interested in, in getting an Xbox Series X and playing for Forza Horizon? Your 5? boys in the market, yeah. So <laughs> uh, Halo Infinite was gonna was gonna woo me over eventually, right? I knew yeah. it, it, it was shaping up to be a release that I knew I'd be in the market for it. Um, and of course, right here at the beginning of uh, holiday shopping season, I'm I'm saying, yeah, I want one, but we'll see how it plays out. I mean, the game does uh, it does work very well. Um, at least Forza Four did with streaming, so uh, we'll see if that carries over. But at least in the meantime, you know, yeah, I would love to play this in 60 frames a second. So uh, my, my Series X will, uh, or rather my uh, my Xbox One X will will suffice for now. But uh, this is definitely the game that's making me think, okay, it's time to make the jump. So we'll see how it plays out. But uh, yeah, just uh, great to see this. And you're right, you know, uh, now you're looking at what, what a month that Xbox Game Pass has had. And it's only like the second week of November. Back for Blood has launched. You know, people are going oh, yeah. crazy for that. That's that's already on Game Pass. And now Forza Horizon 5. It's just uh, the, the value proposition gets bigger and bigger. And it's just great to see. So, well, guys, we have uh, some other stuff to get to. So let's kick it over to Larry from the World 1-1 Podcast Network with the Hard Copy Hounds shortlist. Welcome to Hard Copy Hounds, powered by the World 1-1 Network and sponsored by Premium Edition Games in their upcoming Series 3 release, Cathedral, on sale November 16th. Let's get into the Hard Copy Hounds shortlist. Starting off this week, we're taking a look at limited run games where you can currently pick up your copies of Always Sometimes Monsters for the PlayStation 4 with 2,000 copies available with pre-orders going live on November 12th. Blaze Blue Central Fiction for the Switch in an open pre-order through December 12th. Blood Rain revamped for the Switch and PS4 on an open pre-order till November 28th. Blood Rain 2 revamped for the Switch and PlayStation 4 also in an open pre-order through November 28th. Mushihima-sama for the Switch is in an open pre-order through November 28th. Narita Boy for the Switch and PS4 in an open pre-order till December 12th. Quake for the PlayStation 5 in an open pre-order till November 14th. And closing out LimitedRunGames.com this week is Worms Armageddon on the Game Boy Color and N64 in an open pre-order that goes live on November 12th and runs through December 5th. Next, we're taking a look at SuperRareGames.com where you can grab your copies of Ida, Last Day of June, The Meepoo Me Collection, Monster Prom XXL, Smoke and Sacrifice, Unrailed, and Yes Your Grace, all for the Switch. Next down the line, we've got SpecialReserveGames.com that currently has available copies of Crossing Souls for the PS4, Death's Door for the Switch and PS4 with an open pre-order that goes live on November 23rd, Demon Throttle for the Switch in an open pre-order through November 15th, Downwell for the PS4, Enter the Gungeon on the PlayStation 4, Piku Niku for the Switch, The Swords of Ditto, Mormo's Curse for the PlayStation 4, Heave Ho for the Switch, Loop Hero coming soon, and Weird West on PlayStation 4 with pre-orders that go live on January 11th. And last but not least, our sponsor, PremiumEditionGames.com, where you can snap up your copies of Pigeon Dev Games Collection on the Switch, Cathedral for the Switch with an open pre-order that goes live on November 16th and runs through December 13th, Mighty Fight Federation for the Switch and an open pre-order that goes live on November 16th and runs through December 13th, and... 
Phenotopia Awakening for the Switch with an open pre-order that goes live on November 16th and runs through December 13th. And last but not least, Sunshine Manor Anthology for the Switch coming soon. And that's the Hard Copy Hound shortlist. And we're back, my goodness. And, you know, look, we got to get into this because we have had just a a very interesting conversation on both our Twitter and Discord. If you're not following us already, twitter.com slash quitthebuild and also on quitthebuild.com slash network, you can get the link to our Discord server. Guys, we are having a little bit of a a community conversation right now, and that is about the game of the year. It's a very interesting landscape right now, to say the least, because this has been the year of delays, right? So many AAA games that were supposed to be released released in 2021 or DLC for games that has been pushed out to 2022 or even beyond. And even despite that, there are some really strong contenders this year for Game of the Year. The games that have come out, there have been some flops, but boy, there have been some major hits. And so our community question was, what right now, in your opinion, is the Game of the Year and why? And of course, uh, when you answer those community questions, when we put them out, usually a day before we record on like a Monday into a Tuesday, you get a shout out. So let's just go down the list and we'll give our personal take so far and let's just see where it goes right so hunter bishop i'm gonna start with on twitter one of the first to reply and he said his his pick for game of the year is it takes two right Mm. the what he says one of the most unique games of the year the perfect melding of gameplay and story there's simply nothing else like it it's pure fun everything that you want a video game to be and that sentiment was backed up by the gaming together podcast of course they're all about co-op games so naturally they they gravitated towards this. Yeah. They said, how could we not go with It Takes Two? Oozing with charm, diversity in the gameplay, and a touching story of rekindled love and collaboration. Do you guys think this thing, uh, that this game has that kind of potential? Game of the year potential? So we haven't played It Takes Two, but we did, Brad and I did play A Way Out, which was by the same developers, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of like a more playful co-op game in that respect from what I've seen. And it does look interesting it's something that's been on my radar for sure but getting this guy to play something else besides fortnite is like pulling teeth my man he is a fortnite fiend (laughs) (laughs) you make a valid point there bruno but but i would agree with you i I think that when we played a way out that if that if this if 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 takes two is any type of version of that even if it's more accessible and a little bit more lighthearted, i could see how that would be a really really fun game because i i thought the collaborative effort and, and the the dynamicness of having to rely on your partner at many times to progress through the levels in a way out really could shine even brighter in a more immersive or lighthearted game that you get to have fun and, and really you know co- have that co-op experience every person that i've i've talked to that has played the game it is at the top of their recommendations and i remember getting through a way out it became at the top of my recommendations of like you know grab a friend uh play this game yeah. because you won't regret it and yeah you know it's taking that that everything that you you got from a way out and putting more of a cartoonish vibe on it not a cartoonish plot i will say there are some you know, i mean the, the, literally the game is about divorce you know a couple that's breaking up and you know they get caught up in some wacky rob schneider-esque uh, circumstances that force them to uh <laughs> to work together schneider. it is a game that people are talking about and i am personally looking forward to knocking out now that it is on game pass that is going to be definitely a must play well right down the list here uh, yo dude what's going on yo dude telling us that it is everhood for him he said 
it's a mix-up. He said he loves Metroid Dread. That would have been his number one contender, but it ultimately fell flat at the end for him. He said the game Everhood is attention-grabbing, fun to play, and insightfully beautiful from start to finish. Plays like Undertale meets Guitar Hero, and he thinks it's a game that everyone should play. You know, that does seem to be a very common mix-up these days of of taking the rhythm game genre and and sending it into the storytelling realm rather than just letting these games be kind of self-contained musical experiences like Rock Band, where now yeah. you're you're telling a story on top of that, really to parlay off of what he said. Chris from the One Hour One Decision podcast, he actually gave two picks, and one of them really is the same same idea, the Artful Escape, which is kind of not really a rhythm game so much, but a game that is on Game Pass that is just a beautiful music-themed story that is is just breathtaking to to take in as you as you go through these sweeping vistas and these incredible ways that they incorporate the guitar riffs and just uh, something that has to be experienced to be understood. But uh, have you either of you guys had any experience with those games, The Artful Escape or that one? I have not. Are those? I mean, for me, it's very. I I, I think I can speak for Brad too that it's very delegated to what's on Game Pass. I get so much value out of that that I hardly ever look for something that's not on there. But I I'm assuming one of them is the Artful Escape is on Game Pass. That's actually how I discovered it. Um, and I it is I highly recommend playing it. It is a it's very casual, very easy to play. There's no no crazy platforming. It it does kind of play like a 2D platformer. But you're, the, the the plot is basically you're like Bob Dylan's like nephew essentially, and like you're trying to <laughs> reinvent yourself as a. He's not Bob, Bob Dylan. Dylan's you're Jim Dylan. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> He's not named. He's not named he's as Bob not Dylan. Named Bob. But my wife saw like five minutes of the game. Is like, so you're Bob Dylan's nephew. I'm like, yeah, it's yeah, you're Bob. Wait, Dylan's nephew. what? That's the that's the plot of the game. That you're you're the nephew of this guy that's like a folk, you know, a, a traditional singer uh, and really well known. And people just want you to do like covers of his music. But you want to be like a wacky, like David Bowie style, like out there sci-fi artist. And so it's about this like story of self discovery of like you know get that man a guitar and let him shred and being your own person. Anyway. I don't want to spoil anything, but it is it is a very fun experience, and it's on Game Pass, so I highly recommend it. Yeah, hey, Nick, I know you briefly mentioned Metroid Dread. That's just a, a Switch exclusive, right? So have you had a chance to to check that out? It seems like it's got a pretty high Metacritic score. I think around eighty eight or ninety percent. You know, have you had a chance to check that out? Yeah. So we have uh, one person that did submit that as their answer, and that's going to be Larry from the World One One Podcast Network. That he is a huge Metroid fan. He says not only it's a is it not only a phenomenal game, but it's a rare piece of industry mythology made manifest that actually delivered by all accounts on what we've spent two decades wishing for. I myself have not played it. I have watched playthroughs and listened to other people talk about it. I'm just not a Metroid guy, um, which seems odd because I'm a Mega Man guy. And so I know I'd probably enjoy it. I just enjoy more linear style uh, platformers. I I tend to get lost in the shuffle when they're those open world kind of, you know, beat the game in the order that you like in an open world setting. I like on rails for each stage. So I never really got into the Metroid games. That being said, all the Metroid games that I can play right now are on my backlog, and I don't want to play Dread without properly playing the first, uh, of course, Metroid, the NES, and Super Metroid for the the SNES that are both on uh, the Nintendo Switch Online. So I've not played it, but I mean, the game is getting rave reviews, and uh, so many people that have been waiting for all this time to get a proper Metroid game are raving about it, and that says something. So I I hope it does get some recognition because, you know, putting out a game like that after all that time, and like for a game to actually live up to the hype, that's rare uh, for something 
something like that. You know, you think of like Duke Nukem Forever that had no shot, no shot. <laughs> uh, did it take forever for Duke Nukem Forever to come out? Was it, that did. it really did. I was gonna say, uh, kind of correlated aside here, and but yet, you know, probably Nintendo believing that it's a strong enough game. I, I just saw that uh, they've paired with Brie Larson to bring back another oh, new ad, ad for Metroid Dread. So on Instagram. So uh, for those who uh, I don't know, you know, I've seen that there is a uh, quite a relationship between Brie Larson and Nintendo, and it looks Ugh. like they're bringing her back to promote this game as well. Why? So, not a fan. Why? Why? I don't know. <laughs> I guess he's not. <laughs> Let's choose the most <laughs> unlikable person ever as you know, yeah, as the lead for this. Congratulations, you've done it. You've, uh, you've see, messed uh, up. You're going down the Bob Hoskins, Johnny Leguizamo <laughs> route, and I'm not here for it. Oh man, see, I, I, I knew it. I get promoted to co-host, and I know exactly how to trigger Bruno on my first episode. That's fancy. Hey, that's, <laughs> we need more of that. You know, I don't push those buttons. Someone's got to. <laughs> So a couple of people did put in for Monster Hunter Rise, both Eric from the SideQuesting podcast and, of course, Morgan from the Intergalactic Pinecone. Uh, of course, uh, we have Eric saying that it was incredible and a great follow-up to Monster Hunter World. Uh, and of Morgan saying it's been a dry year for him personally, so without a doubt, Monster Hunter Rise was the game. Uh, 300 hours that he's logged so far from it and the free updates did a lot to keep him engaged. Despite running on the Switch, the online play was also surprisingly competent. So if you are a Monster Hunter fan, like a mega fan, there's a good chance that Monster Hunter Rise would be pretty high up on the list. For me, it was, and as someone that is a Monster Hunter fan, it was just the, the overall uh, performance and frame rate of the game that really, I had a, a hard time going from the smoothness of Monster Hunter World over to what they were offering there with Monster Hunter Rise. But people that are in it, they're spending the hours, they're spending the time, and you know, if you're getting that kind of value from a game year one, then it should be a, a contender for your own personal game of the year. And so we do have one answer from the DualSense podcast saying, hey guys, please mention the Chivalry game unique multiplayer fun, good graphics on PS5 and melee combat that's easy to pick up and play, but also takes time to master. Not to mention, it's probably one of the funniest games you'll play this year. Thanks, Jason, for the tweet. Yeah, so he's talking about Chivalry Medieval Warfare 2, a game that came back out back in uh, June of this year, and it is available on uh, PlayStation and Xbox. And I, what, what I remember from this game is it's it's got kind of realistic medieval <laughs> warfare, but you it's can score some like pretty <laughs> crazy kills. Like, I've seen videos of people like pick up like a loaf of bread from a table and like chuck it at someone's face and get a get a kill as like as a throwing knife oh my god well it's pretty brutal too so it's a first person medieval like night fighting game where you're it's kind of like for honor but it looks like uh you know it's a complete battle royale with just a bunch of different people yeah and i oh man some guys okay well yeah he just (laughs) picked up he just sliced somebody's head off and then yeah. picked it up and threw it at somebody. There you go. So I don't think you need to say anything more than that. <laughs> We're playing it this weekend, obviously, right, Brad? <laughs> I, I, I'm in. I'm down to try. If I can get a baguette and, you know, get a kill, then, I mean, I, I got to check that box, right? Yeah. <laughs> But but it's interesting you mentioned that game and, and some of the other games we've talked about today, right, in this conversation. And it begs the question is, what what are the criteria for game of the year? Because I think Chivalry 2 is one of the only few we've mentioned that is accessible on all, all gaming platforms, mm. right? Xbox, PlayStation. You know, I know we talked about some that are Switch exclusives or PlayStation exclusives. I mean, shouldn't the game of the year be one that can be enjoyed across all gaming platforms and that everyone simultaneously, unanimously says, wow, 
wow, this is a great game. Like, how can it, how can a, a, a exclusive game be game of the year if only a fraction of the gaming demographic get to play it? I am always pissed at at any type of award show because I think they're popularity con- contests and and political contests. Really, like, there's a lot of pandering to 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 get your game and game of the year. Same thing with like who's winning the Oscars for for best best picture right mm-hmm. like it's it's a very very biased thing that that doesn't represent the majority of people arguably a game that i think games of the year should go by like playtime it should just be like how many players do you have and you know make it so make it quantifiable mm. and then you'd have something like you know fortnite maybe or warzone being game of the year year after year and that's fine but that's that's important it's important to know what the majority of people are playing you know maybe you you do it where you take somebody out of the running if they've won before but it just seems to me like it's more of a popularity contest instead of a quantifiable thing that is like brad said like that is an actual representation of gamers across the board because how many times has uncharted gotten game of the year something like the last of us and it's like okay well people played it for about a month so yeah you can say it was an awesome game for a month but people moved on right like people are bashing each other with with long swords and and maces in this game chivalry so yeah exactly (laughs) no i don't i don't think i think most most gamers that that are able to think for themselves and if you have your own taste in games you can't think for yourself is that they look at game awards not the the way that they used to or if they ever held them in high regards at all to begin with and that's why the question was not who do you who do you think is going to get game of the year like what game the question was what is your personal game of the year pick so far Mm. and hey the games of the year the year's not over halo infinite will should be coming out in 2021 which i think is going to be a strong contender contender in and of its own uh volition so we'll see what happens but yeah i mean everyone should have their own criteria because if we all had the same set of criteria for what makes a perfect game for us then we would all just be mindless drones that would be just playing the same games and buying the same call of duty every year and and singing its praises right so you know that is the important thing i will also mention we had two picks for psychonauts 2 which came from duncan voices indie choices that's fun to say thanks hey. duncan he said uh, definitely uh he thinks uh, psychonauts 2 <laughs> uh, as he's not had a whole lot of time to jump into forza horizon 5 and also uh we had uh, again chris from the one hour one decision podcast it's says Psychonauts 2, another Game Pass offering. So if you're into those kind of wacky 3D platformers uh, that uh, just really, really visually are as just as interesting as the gameplay itself, that's definitely one you would want to dive into. But uh, I think that's a good uh, place for us to wrap it up, guys. Uh, thanks so much for your uh, your input on that. I-, I will ask you guys real quick, though, so far, and we'll start with you, Bruno, what is your personal pick for Game of the Year? Well, I mean, I, I've put more time into Fortnite this year, obviously, than than any other game but honestly i it's for me right now with having not played halo infinite other than the beta forza horizon 5 is a strong choice it's just it's a great game it's it's a lot of fun the open world aspect is is just getting better and better with each iteration of this game and it's i mean the speed in which i'm playing it on the xbox series
Series X means loading times are almost non-existent hmm. for something. So it's 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 to me it's just mind blowing to see something like this finally be in our hands because I feel like we've had a pretty stale two years um, regarding game releases. So for me right now it's Forza Horizon Five. That is until Halo Infinite is released. Although I don't know how you're gonna call yourself game of the year when you've only been out for a month so maybe that would be <laughs> yeah you know push to next year and i i don't know what do you think brad i'm gonna stay in the same realm for my personal game of the year uh, i i am holding out a little bit of opportunity for Halo infinite it's been a game that i think has just been uh on all our radar and we're anxiously awaiting its release to finally get a taste of what's been been teased and been t- discussed now for over a year and been delayed yeah but i'm, really. I'm gonna go with kind of a, a maybe a sleeper pick and it's really based off of my criteria as nick you said i'm gonna go with hot wheels unleashed and here's Ooh. why uh you know as you know as bruno mentioned you know we both him and i together log quite quite the time on Fortnite, and sometimes that's grinding on challenges other times it's just you know to try to get some wins but i would say this season in particular has had has been quite sweaty at times it's just oh. been been a grind and, and sometimes you hop on just to do a simple challenge and you get you get picked off and you take 90 second place and you're just trying to do something simple like <laughs> harvest some metal right yeah. like and, and and so when when it gets frustrating to the point you know you want to be able to kick back on something that is just a casual fun play and uh i had hot wheels growing up as a kid and so when this game dropped in late september you know bruno's like man this is gonna be a cool game we should pick it up and and i grabbed it and I, I, it's added so much value to me not just from a nostalgia standpoint but the, the game quality is great uh the fact that they have your own track editor you can make and customize your own tracks you can customize liveries for the cars that you unlock uh it's such a cool blend of nostalgia versus uh great design for the new systems and like i i, I think i mentioned to you guys in an earlier discussion my son is getting into cars and loves some of the yeah. hot wheels that we've gotten for him and we've actually been able to buy a few of the cars that are in the game that i can drive <laughs> so he's yeah. playing with that car with in real in real life on it on the table or whatever while i can drive that on the screen and so it creates this new bonding experience for me as a dad so that that is a big factor in why this hot wheels unleashed has been my game of the year this year can't get my kid to stand in one place for more than two seconds and you're having bonding time (laughs) teach me your ways brad (laughs) we're bonding over hot wheels i'm trying to get him to just not do zoom zoomies around the laps around the whole house maybe that's how he plays hot wheels yeah Yeah. but he's your son's matching pitch with your little automophone like oh. I, mean, <laughs> I mean obviously the kid is pitch perfect let's not let's not kid ourselves he is, he yeah. is that is just amazing to yeah. me but what about you nick what's your what's your pick for this uh for this year i'm really glad you asked bruno because i i think everyone's missing the obvious game of the year and that is going to be the the hit uh bird-based skating simulator skatebird uh, uh, oh boy you know yeah. i've got my little my little pigeon with a little fez you know doing uh doing sick nd 360s off of uh, off of uh, vert ramps oh, and man. uh boy that's that's the real game no honestly guys most of the games that I've been playing 
playing this year, games that didn't come out this year. And so it, yeah. it's, it's very odd for me because I don't really have a clear pick. And the reason why is I think it's going to end up being Forza or Halo, just from what yeah. I've seen so far. You know, I, I'm pretty sure when I dive, because I loved Forza Horizon 4. So if yeah. this is what everyone is saying, that it's just everything about Forza 4 just, just to, dialed up to 11, it's yep. probably going to be my game of the year pick. I've been getting more and more into racing games as, I, as I've gotten older. And so I, I see this being a game I'm going to be spending a lot of time with. And if that's not it, I think Halo will be just because I think it's going to really revitalize the, the first person shooter fran- uh, as a genre and get people back to a style of gameplay that they may have forgotten about. Um, so, oh, you're shaking your hand. I thought you had something to say. <laughs> He's, pumping. <laughs> He's getting pumped up yeah, right there he now. Goes. He's potty boy. <laughs> I'm getting yeah. excited, man. You're getting me. You're making me want to play Halo, man. Yeah. It's a month away, but uh, yeah. Well, sorry Easy. about that. Oh man, guys. Well, that's a good place for us to wrap it up. Thanks as always to everybody that uh, answered our community question. And of course, if you want to support us or just learn more about the podcast, the place to do it is our website, quitthebuild.com. All sorts of goodies waiting for you there. Our podcast page tells you more about our show. You can meet the hosts of Quit the Build. And of course, our QTB crew as well that supply things like uh, our, our other podcasts or even blog articles. If you go to quitthebuild.com slash blog, great, great amount of content waiting there for you. Make sure to go to quitthebuild.com slash community. You can get great merchandise and of course, link up with all our social media accounts. And of course, you can get on our Discord, which is where Terry is. Terry's got the memes and you want the memes. So let's oh, make yeah. this happen and on, oh, on yeah. the Discord server for sure. That's about all I got. Bruno, got anything for the people? If you're not going to Quitthebuild.com. What are you waiting for? Wow. Do you hear me? <laughs> yeah. Boo. No, no. Turn it around. On that note, well, I have had another fun episode. Until next time, for Nick and Brad, I'm Bruno. For Brad and Bruno, I'm Nick. And for Nick and Bruno, I'm Brad. Peace out. What a do. Hands up. Do we got a cool? Support for this podcast comes from viewers like you. Visit patreon.com slash quit the build to join the QTB crew today. 